Good to be here. Amen. All right, just checking if you're awake. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to continue on in our, our study in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 6, we looked at verses 1 through 5, then we looked at verses 6 through 10, and uh, following that, he begins to wind down the chapter. Now, I think the uh, natural progression continues, but we will be looking today at verses 14 through 17 or 11 through the end of the chapter, boasting in the cross. If there's a boast that we should have, there is a boasting in the cross that is above or superior to all others. You know, as you go throughout the scripture, there is uh, different, different calls to boasting or warnings about boasting. But as you get to Galatians chapter 6, at the very end, uh, we'll start back at verse 11 where we left off just after he had told them, look, as you have opportunity, let's do good. You get down to verse 11, he brings it about to a, a more personal note. He says, see with the large letters I've written to you with my own hand. And then he goes on to say in verse 12 and 13, he says, as many as desire to make good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For the cross of Christ. He said, for not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Now this boasting that's taking place that he's referencing is that of the circumcision of the flesh. You know, bringing over the carrying in of the old law, carrying it over to the new law and trying to, uh, to bind it on one another or more specifically trying to uh, bind it on the Gentile brethren. And you get to Galatians chapter 6. And you drop down into verse 14, and he says, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there was a boasting that took place where they were very uh, honorable and proud and said, Well, look at me. I've followed the law. I've followed the law of circumcision as, as God has given for his people. And that's how the Jews might have portrayed that thought. And that's the, the, the view in, in sight in Ephesians chapter, or sorry, in Galatians chapter 6 as he's talking about uh, their boasting in the flesh. And he says, when you get into verse 13, he says, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Like boasting in this flesh thing, like, oh, well, did you do this? Did you do that? And you get down to verse 14, he says, if you want to boast, if you want to talk about boasting, if there's something to be thankful for, if there's something to put all your pride in, in verse 14, he says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's very interesting as you go back and we're just comparing apples to apples here. Within, within the society of that day, the cross would have been the most shameful thing to ever consider. Oh, your, your father was hung? Obviously, he was a terrible person. Oh, your family was hung? What, what more do we need? Like, that just tells us, that gives us all the, 
the information that we need to know in regards to it. He's within this day and time, this was the most horrific, the most shameful, the most looked down upon death that would have been possible. And it's turned around in verse 14 where he says, if I'm going to boast, if I'm going to have pride in something, he said, I'm going to have pride in the death of a family member on a cross. You could have been ridiculed for many reasons. But this family member, they were adopted into this family. But yet this, this one that died for them, we're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. How are we counted? We're counted as sons. We're children of God. We're related through this awesome death. Awesome. It ought to bring awe upon us, recognizing the significance of it. But he says, down in verse 14, he said, God forbid that I should boast in anything except for the most horrific, most shameful, most looked down upon, tread down type of death. But he says, when he ties it, he says, except the cross of our Lord Jesus. Now, it's not just any old death by cross, but it's the death of the cross through which Jesus was the one that gave his life. Although the cross was regarded as a shameful way to die, for a Christian, we have great pride in knowing that our Lord chose the cross. He willingly gave his life so that we could have hope. If you turn in Hebrews chapter 9, he talks about that, maybe I should say the necessity of that death. Hebrews chapter 9 and beginning in verse 22, it says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, he says, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There had to be this sacrifice that took place. You know, you can drop down to chapter 10. Beginning in verse 1, it says the law having a shadow of good things to come. It, it, it cast a shadow. It was something we could look at. But yet, it says, and not the very image of things, can never with the same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. It goes on to say in verse 2, he said, for then they would have been ceased to have been offered. But they had to continue to be offered. Go on, he says, for the worshipers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. He says, but in those sacrifices... There's a reminder of sins every year. He goes on to say finally in verse 4, he says, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Well, here's the correlation. We boast in the cross. Why? Because it takes away, it remits, back in verse 22, chapter 9, it remits sin. And so, therefore, the boasting was in the greatest sacrifice, the greatest offering, the most shameful death that ever took place. <coughs> First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, 
One time, death for sins. It was the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You know, as we look at, as we look at this terrible death that took place, we recognize why it's so important to us. You know, and because of that, because of the meaning that it brings, each Lord's Day we come together and we recognize it, we remember it. It's the most pivotal moment in all of creation. Was the flood pretty important? It was. The Jews being led out of Egypt, was that important? It was. But the most pivotal moment in all of Scripture is we see the Son of God giving His life, the entire Old Testament looking forward to it, the entire New Testament looking back and casting, casting our thoughts back upon it, Christ giving His life and being resurrected. And so He says in Galatians chapter 6, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing else to boast in. Well, when you want to talk about, uh, when you talk about, about life, you know, uh, it's very easy within our society to uh, get caught up in a, a boastful attitude and having the desire to be seen. And, you know, as you look at Jesus, when he first begins to teach, he talks about that uh, attitude, the, the desiring to be seen. Notice in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, well, let's go to 2 Corinthians first. Go, notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Beginning in verse 16, Paul didn't desire to boast as the world boasted. He didn't want to do as they did. This is where he talks about boasting, and he talks about it quite a little bit. I'd encourage you to read the whole chapter later. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 16, he says, I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may also may boast a little. He said, when I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, he said, I also will boast. His point is, look, this ain't about boasting. We don't need to be get, getting together and boasting because I'm still nothing. He says, but you want to get out and boast. Look what I did. How great I am. He's going to go on and explain, look, Ain't nothing here to boast about. He says, could I boast about this? Sure. He said, and for your sake, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. So you get down to verse 22. He says, they Hebrews? Yeah, well, I'm a Hebrew. He said, are they Israelites? Verse 22, so am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Ministers of Christ. He says, me too. I speak as a fool. I am more. In laborers more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons above frequently, in deaths often. He said, from the Jews, five times I received stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. Night and day I've been in the deep. He said, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in toil, sleeplessness, hunger, thirst, fasting, Cold, nakedness. He said, besides all the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. He says, you want to boast in something? 
He said, let's keep a godly mindset on it. He said, no matter how great you are, understand that there is one thing that is more important, that is far greater than all others. Here is, as Paul, uh, as Paul boasts, he boasts in his uh, suffering. He says, yeah, I had it bad. But praise be to God that I got to suffer. You go back to Galatians chapter 6, and the idea is understanding that boasting in the Christ, boasting in the cross of Christ, is recognizing his superiority as compared to my insignificance. Recognizing, behold, I'm just an unprofitable servant. You know, others had often denied to follow Christ because they just enjoyed too much the praise of men. They said, man, I like it when they look at me and they tell me how great I am. You go back to John chapter 12. If you look at verse 42 and 43, there's, there's a group here that knowing what was right wasn't enough to make them turn from the pat on the backs that they were getting because they cared more about the boasting. They cared more about the praise of men that they received. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 42, he says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. Look, many believed in him. Oops. Many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Lest they should be put out of the synagogue. They recognized this is the Son of God, and yet they were worried about what the Pharisees thought. They said, well, I don't want people to look down on me. I don't want people to be thinking all manner of evil against me. Verse 43 sums it up. He says, for they love the praise of men. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. That boasting in the cross in Galatians chapter 6 recognizes we ought to obey God rather than man. We've got greater hope in the cross than this world ever dreamed of offering. And so therefore, if you want to boast, he says, let us boast in the cross of our Lord. It says, to whom the world, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Man, I think that's beautiful. He says, by Christ, the world has been crucified to me. What's the world mean to me? Nothing. I'm through with them. They have nothing to offer. Why? He says, and I to the world because I turned my back from it. He said, I made a change in my life. You know, we sing Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. I am crucified. I'm giving up my life because I understand that I want Christ living in me. I will boast in the cross of Christ wherein I find hope. 
Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14. Paul turned his back on the world and he had nothing left to gain from it. He recognized that Christ had everything to offer and the world had nothing to give. But I'll promise you this, the world would be glad to take. The world wants to take Christ out of you. The world wants to take righteousness out of you. The world wants to take a pure heart out of you. He said, and for that reason, I'll boast in Christ. I'll boast in the cross of Christ because therein is hope. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, it says, But what things were gained to me, he said, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And he says, and I count them as trash that I may gain Christ. He said, I count them as rubbish. They're worthless to me. Anything that I gave up. You go back to the pearl of great price. He recognizes the value of the cross of Christ. And he says, anything that I might have missed out on, you didn't miss out on anything. Go down to verse 9, he says, for this reason, sorry, he says, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He found what he set out to find. Why? Because righteousness has something to offer. Back in verse 8, what the world has to offer, he counted as rubbish. He said, and anything that I gave up... Now, he doesn't mean it was rubbish. You know, in the world today, it'd be the great things that we look at and they're like, oh, man. If you'll quit wasting your time going to services on the first day of the week to worship the Savior, you know, you'd make X amount of more dollars. He said, give up on Him and you can have them. He says, you want to have time to go to the lake and have a big boat to troll around in? He says, give up on your Sundays and follow after me and the world will provide. Okay, whatever it is that that might be, whatever that great thing is, he says, I counted it as rubbish. He said, I don't want that boat. He said, I don't want something that's going to turn me away from God, but I want to recognize that no matter what, Jesus is number one. And so in verse 8, whatever he had to give up, anything that might have come in the way of him and Christ, he said, I counted it as rubbish, recognizing my goal is to gain Christ. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 6 because time is fleeting. Galatians chapter 6. We see the boasting, of the boasting in the cross in verse 14. Notice verse 15. This tie of the old versus the new law. He said, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon you and upon the Israel of God, the people, the children of God. The Jews tried to bring over different parts of the law and they wanted to bind it on their Gentile brethren. That's the goal. You see in verse 15... Referencing back to verse 11 through 13, he says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything. He said this, 
This uh, removal of the flesh, that's not what pr- produces anything. It doesn't avail anything. It doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't do anything in the world of the Lord. He says, but a new creation. Okay? In Christ Jesus, what avails something? A new creation. Giving your life to Christ. You know, as you look at John chapter 3, he talks about that new birth. Okay, we're talking about that new creation. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, here he says, what avails something? A new creation, a new creature. The person that's given their life to Christ. If you look at Hebrews chapter 8, we compare that that Jew, Jewish carryover. They tried to continue to bring over the law upon them. And Jew, in Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse 7, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for the second. What's that tell you? The first one had faults. Verse 8, he says, because finding, no fault with, because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Well, what happens? You make a new covenant? How does that affect? Go down to chapter 9, verse 15. It says in verse 15, He is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the new covenant, sorry, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For this reason, he, Christ, the mediator of the new law and the old law, washing away the old law, because when the new covenant goes into force, what's it tell you about the old one? It's no longer in force. It's a good thing, otherwise we'd still be living under Britain's rule. We'd just have America's rule on top of it. Although the Jews tried to bring over different parts of the law, he says... You're a new creation. None of that avails anything. You know, circumcision, uncircumcision, what difference does it make? He said, it's a new creation. That's what avails something. If you look at that new creation, there at the end of verse 15, that new creation is the one that enjoys being in the new law, under the new covenant. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He said, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He says, what avails something? In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 15, a new creation. That new creature in Christ through that new covenant, they become part of the new creation. You go to Ephesians chapter 2 and we see that new creation is blessed or enjoys blessings through the blood that was sacrificed. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. And then we see the correlation. I don't want to boast in anything except... Go back to verse 14. I don't want to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord. Verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2. Therefore remember that you, 
once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at a time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They weren't part of that chosen seed. And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. He says in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You are a new creation. You go back to Galatians chapter 6. What avails something? What has purpose and hope? That new creation. Giving your life to the Lord. Finally, if you go back to Galatians chapter 6, we're going to catch verse 16 and 17 together. Let's talk about the way of life for a Christian. He says, And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, to become and to remain the new Christian that is spoken of in verse 15, the the new creation, the new Christian, the new creature. There's an expectation that's placed upon all of us. And as many as walk according to this rule, if you chose to give your life to Christ, if you chose to become a new creation, if you were baptized for the purpose of having your sins washed away, Walk according to this rule. There's a new way of life. There's a new boss in town. There's a new key to my life. Because it's not me anymore, but rather it's Christ that lives in me. Our goal then switches from pursuing what is the hope to pursuing living for the hope. As many as walk according to this rule, he's talking about people that became a new creation, that became Christians, and we see the importance of us, the importance of us in our lives living for Christ every day. Seven days a week, not just coming to services and putting on your good face, but rather they're a new creation because they've got a new purpose, they've got a new hope, and nothing else matters. Faithfulness became man's purpose in verse 15 when they became that new creation. That thing that availed something is that new creation that now they have hope in. And that's the purpose of man. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 7 should be real nearby. It says, you ran well. What hindered you? What stopped you from obeying the truth? You get down to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 16. He says, and as many as walked according to, they made a lifestyle of it, living for God. Notice in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22, as we continue with the thought of this lifestyle, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22, he says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but what? He that endures to the end. He who endures to the end will be saved. 
Salvation belongs to those that walk, Galatians chapter 6, verse 16, according to this rule. What rule? That new covenant. In light of whatever may happen, in whatever life may throw at you, continue towards the goal. Remember how this started last week? Chapter 6 and verse 1. Brethren, if a man's overtaken in a trespass, you are trespass, you would your spiritual restore such a one. Drop down to verse 2. He said, Bear one another burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Now he says, walk according to this rule. Keep up the good fight. Endure to the end. And salvation belongs to those who are faithful. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, he talks about the man that sets his, ha- sets his hand to the plow. Oops, good. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, Jesus says, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He said, keep working. Don't give up. You chose to embark on this lifestyle when you became a new creation, when you gave your life to Christ, when you were baptized, when you were immersed for the purpose of having your sins washed away because you understood that Jesus Christ is the only hope. And after you get to that point where you've given your life to Christ, recognize in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, and I think it's definitely within their time, he's talking about the sufferings that they were going to undergo. He said, behold, many will be going to be cast... Cast into this suffering. You're going to be thrown into prison. He said, you're going to have, be tested. You're going to have tribulation ten days. And then he says, but remember, be thou faithful unto death. And I'll give you a crown of life. As you look at Galatians chapter 6. We've got something to have more pride about than the world ever dreamed about pride. Praise be to God that my Lord chose to die on the cross for my sins. There is nothing that you can say that can top it. God forbid that I should boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm not about the world anymore, but I'm about living for the Master. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I think you know what you need to do. I think you understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and if you don't, please sit down with me. There is insurmountable evidence But it doesn't stop there because He provides a way of escape. He provides you a way to overcome what this world is full of. He he provides the ability to, to beat sin. 
And I promise you, heaven will surely be worth it all. If you're sitting there and you think to yourself, I don't feel as though I'm faithful, get serious. Because that's what this is all about. Be faithful until the end. Because I'm looking for a crown of life. If you need spiritual help, if we could help you in any way, please come while we sing the song of invitation.